Welcome to a special episode of You Can't Laugh at That, the podcast where we take topics you can't laugh at and we find ways to laugh at them in the never-ending quest to prove that anything can be funny. Joining us on today's episode is Steve Cody. He's a comedian, sure, but he is also the CEO and founder of Peppercom, a marketing communication firm in New York City that also has offices in London and San Francisco. Now, the thing that separates Peppercom and Steve from other marketing firms and other leaders is the emphasis on humor in the workplace. In fact, comedy is a core tenet, a core pillar of Peppercom's culture. And the results are evident because Peppercom has been featured in all kinds of top places to work lists. They've been in Cranes, Fortune, Forbes, and there's a reason why they continue to challenge conventional wisdom when it comes to their marketing and how they treat their employees. And that's what I brought him on to talk about today. So listen in because Steve has all kinds of insightful comments on how to use humor as a leader, how to use humor as an employee in a workplace, how to be vulnerable in the workplace, and the importance of using humor, a very, very human tool, to engage yourself and the people around you to prove to them that you can laugh at humor in the workplace. You can't laugh at that. I thought of you just because, you know, I do a lot of work uh, with organ I do a lot of work with like Sherm. I, I speak to a lot of Sherm chapters. And, uh, and you know, it's all about the importance of, of using humor in the workplace. As you well know, as it's in your DNA, uh, that, that humor is incredibly valuable. And I wanted to just kind of ask how you've navigated uh, this, this pandemic uh, using humor in the workplace. Uh, but I wanted to kind of start with uh, just the, the basic question of why comedy in the workplace? What was the moment that you thought, oh, this is, this is useful for starting as an employee, um, working for somebody else, you know, how did you incorporate humor into your day-to-day? -day? I, I, you know, I'm, I'm an introvert. I really am. Most comedians are. Not that I call myself a comedian, but um, so I, I, you know, I tried to read the room um, instinctively. And as I, as I became more comfortable as a junior or middle-level executive, I started to find ways in which to use what was happening within the office or the clients to bring humor to an otherwise um, serious conversation knowing that they were guardrails in terms of what a junior person could or could not say. And I, you know, my boyhood idol was Johnny Carson. So my, my, my sense of humor, if you want to call it that, is very Carson-esque, um, you know, kind of cynical, you know, kind of, you know, what in the moment. I'm very much, you know, in the moment type of thing. So, but I never thought it would lead to, you know, anything uh, in terms of a business service offering. So, um, Long story made short, I started Peppercom literally 25 years ago. And um, as I like to say, you know, I've been in a midlife crisis since I was a sophomore in high school. So it was around uh, 2005, 2006, just a bucket list item. Um, friends said, you know, you're always making jokes and, you know, you blah, 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 blah. Why don't you take this comedy course being offered at the, um, over by Penn Station in New York, the American Comedy Club or something. The, the deal was, you know, you pay 300 bucks, you work with a couple of professional comedians, they work with you over four nights to put together a five minute skit, and then you perform live at Stand Up New York. So I did it, you know, and I nearly died of, you know, massive heart attack. Um, at the end of that um, uh, experience, the MC 
came over to me and he said, you were not half bad. Would you like to perform on my show next week? So I immediately had, you know, visions of being on late night with Letterman and all this other <laughs> stuff. But um, so for the next two years, I immediately, it just, I, it clicked. I just loved it. Um, but I, I, I just performed two, three times a week um, in front of two people, three people, four people, never doing better than getting a chuckle here or there. But after about a couple of years of doing this, I realized in the office situation, my senses were so sharpened by performing stand-up comedy and having to read the room, having to deal with silence, having to deal with, you know, uh, catcalls, if you will, mm. uh, you know, dealing with nerves before making a major presentation. So I said, you know what, I think this is applicable to the workplace. So what I did, I, I had a management retreat, all-day management retreat. And I had the professional comedian who had been coaching me and brought me into his show. His name is Clayton Fletcher. So mm -hmm. I said, Clayton, come at the uh, end of the day, and I'm going to spring this on my 10-person management team. So we're done you know, pl plotting out the, the business strategy for the next year. And I said, guess what, guys? This is Clayton Fletcher. We're going to do comedy training, stand-up comedy training for the next hour. And you know, if looks to kill, I would have died right there on the spot. They would have lynched me. But they each went through it and they said, we have got to roll this out within the agency. This is amazing. Just you could see everybody pulling for one another and you'd never think like our CFO would be funny, but she was. And so it became part and parcel of our, our training program. So every two, three, four times a year, um, as new employees come and go, um, or we want to take them up to the next level, we do stand up or improvisational comedy training. And we've been offering it to client organizations over the years. So we've done it for everybody from Colgate to Bristol Myers Squibb to a law firm, believe it or not. Um, so um, it, it's, um, it's been an amazing thing in terms. And plus, we've tied it to all of our fundraising. So every holiday season, we'll, pick, we'll have the employees pick a different charity. And we'll have about 15 Peppercom employees perform stand-up in front of a packed you know, Manhattan comedy club. And all of the money goes to the charity. So it's a, it's a really cool thing. And it's, um, it helps our people um, um, storytell because, you know, what we do is not telling jokes. We tell stories, stories based upon the truth. So it's about authenticity. It's about um, being vulnerable because when you're up on stage, you're, you're naked. It's just you trying to um, make people laugh who pay $25, you know, to get in and see you. So there's some pressure there. So for them to, to be able to perform um, my employees, stand-up comedy and all the different Manhattan comedy clubs, when they go into a new business presentation or they've got a tough client call, it's a whole lot easier. So it really sharpens all of those uh, skills. And when push comes to shove in new business, I found this in, in particular where there's, it's a dead heat between Peppercom and two other firms. The client, the, the one that hires us, said what made the difference was you made us laugh. And, you know, we were looking for two things, um, you know, deep industry expertise and a partner that we wanted, we knew we would have fun working with. So it's been a competitive differentiator for us as well. Mm -hmm. And it's also attracted, you know, um, people, you know, at the junior levels who might ordinarily not be interested in coming to Peppercom, but they find out that we deliver stand-up and improvisational comedy training. And they're like, oh, I want to work with Peppercom. So it's, it's, been, it's been a really cool thing. Yeah. And that's, that's so important nowadays. I mean, I've, I've watched a few interviews with you and, and read some articles and, and your blog on, on Inc is fantastic. It's super insightful. Okay. And uh, you know, the point of you have to appeal to millennials. And as, as you've said, you know, millennials are the first generation that will forego pay 
for yeah. a meaningful job and a job where they can engage their creativity and, and humor is such a such a powerful way to do that. Now, how how do you you talk a lot about um, vulnerability and uh, leaders being vulnerable? But for a lot of leaders, that is kind of a taboo idea because as a leader, you have to be strong and know all the answers. How would you communicate the value of being vulnerable to a leader who's resistant to that? Well, a it's um, it's the currency of the realm right now. It's what employees expect. You know, is in the midst of this perfect storm. So you know. You can't, you can't, you can't change a, you know, a, a leopard spots, right? So if someone, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse or not, but if someone's an asshole, you're not going to change the asshole. But if someone, a, a good leader should have an open mind. So, uh, you know, in these days, you know, a good leader really has to be open to the fact that her or his employees are far and away their most important asset. As we saw, you know, without your employees being fully engaged, you know, productive, et cetera, the whole business can go to hell. And I think it was a real wake up call for a lot of leaders that I better pay more attention to my employees. So um, what I would do is I would say, look, you know, you've got to be a little bit more human and authentic because that's what the millennials and Gen Xers and you know, whatever the next level down is, that's what they want. They want the truth, you know, and they want to know you're not bullshitting them and they want to be treated as peers, which is difficult if you're in the CEO spot. But you know, the beauty of comedy is that at level sets, you know, my, I allow all of my employees to see me fail and fail miserably. And I use that, you know, I hope my, my personal and professional motto is expect less. And I like to say I deliver on that all the time. And mediocrity is my white space. Nobody's claimed to mediocrity. Everybody wants to be the best. I don't know who wants to be the worst, but nobody wants to be mediocre. I do. So I, you know, I say that and stuff. So it makes me a lot more approachable to my employees. Because they, they know, they've seen me, you know, joke and, and, um, and fool around. And obviously, I take the business very seriously. But, I, I, you know, it, it personifies and humanizes the CEO in a way that nothing else can in my mind. It really, you know, you've got to be empathetic, sympathetic. You've got to be, you have to be listening to the, um, the employees in terms of what they're saying. Reading the nonverbals is critical. There's so many things you learn from stand-up and improv. And improv is all about listening. And continuing a story, as you know. So, um, long story short, I would count. Again, you can't. A leopard can't change its spots. If, if if the person is an authoritarian, nothing's going to change him or her. If it's in their DNA, they're not suddenly going to become this warm, open, empathetic person who's willing to let people know that they're human and they fail and they make mistakes. So you can't change that mindset. And we always say, you know, it, this is not for everybody. You know, the comedy training, the improv, it's not for every culture. If that corner office doesn't buy into it and, you know, display these types of, of um, attributes, if you will, it's not going to work. Mm. So, um, you know, I, you can't change what can't be changed. But open-minded leaders, I think a lot of them are being more and more open, authentic, genuine. You're certainly seeing it with a lot of CEOs in Fortune 500 companies that, you know, they're talking about people over profits. That never happened before. It's yeah. always been the quarterly profits about time the long term versus the short term exactly exactly and it's also about the legacy too you know yeah. you want to be remembered as somebody you know who made a lot of money for you know the business or do you want to be remembered for somebody who was a great mentor and who taught a lot of people and who was a great person to hang with and um you know somebody you could actually go out and be comfortable with uh, you know over a drink or whatever so you know how do you want to be remembered yeah 
you can't take it with you. That's the adage ring so true. You can't laugh at that. Can't get enough of you can't laugh at that? Check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod. And when you become a patron, you'll get exclusive access to deleted footage from every episode. You'll be the talk of the town. Your friends will think you're the coolest person ever. Patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod. Find all sorts of new reasons to laugh at your friends for not being as cool as you. That uh, Hodge Cronin study, which, which you're familiar with, the 98% of CEOs valuing humor in new hires, 84% thinking that the people with a sense of humor do better work, which makes sense. But then when rubber the rubber meets the road and when that's put into practice, I, I, I've seen this. A lot of these leaders that say they value humor, all of a sudden uh, work becomes serious. And, you know, what, so there's a gulf between between what they say and what they do. Why do you... I, you know, why do you think that is? Well, obviously you need to keep the lights on and you need to keep the cash flow going and you need to meet payroll. So I could see, you know, a CEO stressing about that, but you have to, you know, detach the personal from the professional. So, you know, um, it's, it's really important to keep your eye on the business, but at the same time, the people are the business. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, your natural, um, instinct is to, um, push people harder, get them to work harder, bring in more business, become more profitable, but at what cost? You know, and especially nowadays when everybody is so fragile and so burnt out, you, you, I, I really think that the, um, the companies and the leaders that will come out of this um, with the most success, market share gain, et cetera, are those that have really taken the time to be with their employees and show that they care um, and put them ahead of the business, um, which is easier said than done. Not saying that you're putting the business on hold, but you're making sure that you're, you've got a really good safety net for your employees in terms of their emotional health, their mental health. Obviously, the physical health is a given, but you, you need to let them know it's okay to not be okay and that you've got their back. If they need to take time off, you've got it. You need an extra hour. We have an extra hour every day we call gone fishing. All you have to do is tell people, you've gone fishing. And if you want to go fishing, fine. If you want to go jogging, fine. If you want to just meditate, fine. Take an hour a day on us. It's for you to chill out. So chilling out and, and letting them know it's okay to chill out and showing them that I chill out, I think that just is really important. Yeah. And especially nowadays, you know, with everything remotely, uh, working remotely now, and you have offices in, in San Francisco and London. So I assume there was a level of remote remote working uh, to begin with yeah when when this whole thing started what was your first uh response like how did you address your team um i addressed them pretty much the same way i did after 9 11 which was to say i have no idea what's going on i have no idea what the future has in store for us all i can tell you is that i will continue to keep my eye on the ball and make sure that we maintain as much business as possible and, and make sure that um, we don't have to do any downsizing or pay cuts. I can't guarantee that, I can't promise that, but I will do everything in my power and I will communicate. And we will have, we, have, we started um, daily 12 at 12 meetings. So 12 minutes every day at noon, starting on March 15th or so for the first month. 
just to have everybody check in. And what we would do is the first six minutes, we would just talk about business. And then a different person would talk about how he or she was dealing with uh, sheltering. And, um, you know, what were, they, what were they binge watching? What were they doing to chill out? What's it like moving back in with your parents 10 years after you moved out? So there'd always be like a comedic element to every single one of our staff meetings. And that really started to ease some of the tension. Then we lost three or four accounts. So I didn't lay anybody off, but I said, look, you know, we lost some billings here and I have to ask the VPs and above to take a 10% pay cut. I'll take a much larger one than that. But in order to stay profitable, we have to do that. No problem whatsoever. You know, they held on to their jobs. And I'm happy to say I've reinstated all of those salaries because we brought the business back and everything's cool now. But it was all about um, listening to them, encouraging them to storytell, and, um, you know, and continuing the, you know, the comedy training, um, you know, with, with, you know, via Zoom. It's a to totally different model, obviously, but we've continued that through the COVID. Sure. So, yeah, that, I mean, using humor, and that was my next question, too, is how, how have you maintained that, that culture? Uh, because, I mean, you know, I look at it as comedy is being able to adapt to what's going on. Like, using humor is just an instant perspective shift. Yeah, uh, and that, those, those staff meetings and also the team meetings enable us, internal team meetings, enable us to just riff on something. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got permission to riff, and because we've all performed we know what's acceptable in terms of vocabulary, in terms of what, you know, what phrases to use or not use. So we already kind of know what's out of bounds in terms of you know, workplace harassment, terms, words, phrases you shouldn't use, et cetera. So everybody's really comfortable. And, and I think I said this to somebody else I was talking to. I'm closer to this group of employees from the last eight months, not that there's been a lot of turnover, than I have at any other point in time with Peppercom, because we've all gone through this together. We've all shared our personal stories and we've all found ways to, you know, laugh out loud at each other in terms of, you know, a mistake we made or, you know, this happened or that happened. So there's a big willingness to open up and say, you know, I, I failed at this or, you know, everybody's got everybody else's back. So it's been a really cool thing to watch. Mm, I bet. I bet. Now, if uh, we're running out of time here, as, uh, as, as this continues, as we go into the winter, as, as we see, you know, cases spiking again, what if you could give one piece of advice to a leader that is looking to try something new uh, to engage their team, be it remotely, in person, whatever, and, and let them know everything's going to be okay. Uh, how, like, what's one piece of advice that you would give? I would say, you know, don't promise, don't overpromise, underdeliver. Um, you know, let, let your employees know that you care about them, you care about the business, and you're going to do everything possible to ensure the well-being of both. So I think if you send that message and they know it's authentic and that you do care about them individually and that you are looking out for the business so that they have a job for the foreseeable future, I think that sends a powerful message. Mm, absolutely. Cool. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I have so many more questions, but you know, time is of the essence and, and Thanksgiving is coming up. So yes, it is. Yes, it uh, is. Well, sure. my, I appreciate the time. This was a lot of fun. I could go on forever. As you can oh, say. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. That's why I have a podcast. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, well, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, yeah. I was going to say, can you send me a link when you, when you, um, when you, post? Oh, 100%. I'll send you, yeah, I'll, I'll send you a link. I'll, um, all that stuff. Awesome. Well, let's stay in touch. I really appreciated it. Yeah, likewise. Likewise. Best of luck and uh, you and yours. Happy Thanksgiving. 
same to you. Thanks so much. Appreciate you. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. You can laugh at that. Special thanks to Gold Knox Studio. You can find Gold Knox Studio for all your podcasting needs at goldenoxstudio.com. Uh, hit up Jeremy. He is fantastic to work with, a professional. Uh, he makes podcasting easy. And uh, if, you're, if you've been kicking the tires on starting your own podcast, definitely give Golden Ox Studio a look. If you'd like to weigh in on today's topic, follow us on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod or like us on Facebook at You Can't Laugh at That and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't. This is all about the conversation, is what I'm saying. All right. Bye.